Welcome to Fully Covered, sponsored by Grant Thornton, leading providers in audit, tax and advisory services. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fully Covered. I'm delighted to say that today's guest is John Caton from Caton's Law Firm. John has over 30 years experience as a solicitor with particular expertise in dispute resolution involving construction. John has acted for contractors, architects, engineers and quantity surveyors. He has also defended claims against various other professionals, including insurance brokers, solicitors and accountants. John also has considerable experience and expertise in policy coverage disputes, and he's also drafted numerous professional indemnity policies which are in wide use in the market today. He has often advised underwriters, including Chubb, on endorsements to mitigate risks in particular situations. So, John, thank you so much for being here today. From our first chat at the Meet the Market event, actually, last year, it was it definitely clear that you are an expert in many things, but particularly in all things professional indemnity. So I was really delighted when you agreed to come onto the podcast and share some of your insights and wisdom. So maybe just let's start with Caitlin's. Can you tell me a little bit about the company, the background and the services it provides? Um, Emma, thanks for inviting me along. Caitlin's um, has been up and running since 2005. I started in the um, insurance industry in 1989 uh, with a firm called Fishburns, ended up as senior partner and then just decided I wanted to have a go on my own. So I set up and um, the company has gradually grown from, uh, actually it was just me sitting there on day one. Uh, Fortunately, I had a very good client who um, at 10 o'clock I got um, hand-delivered package with a, a new instruction. He said, this will get you underway. And it was about a 1.5 million pound claim. <laughs> so uh, we got off to a good start. We now have um, locations in Dublin, London. We've recently opened an office in Bristol. Um, and we've got, I think, about 50 odd staff now. Um, and as you say, we, we very much specialize in professional indemnity. Um, that's our, our expertise. And we focus on and focus on really on providing a quality service uh, is the key. Very good. So, John, if we just talk a little bit about the team uh, in Ireland that you have, Mary Smith, I, yes. I know very well. <laughs> yes. Um, but can you just let me know uh, how many people are in the Dublin office and what you guys do and yes. are you planning to grow the team even further? Yeah, we're, we're, there's um, two partners. There's Mary and Ronan Cosgrove, um, both who are very experienced. I know, um, I know Ronan as well, actually, I should say that. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, we're we're very much focusing. Um, we're we're looking to grow it steadily. The team there, it's it's um, good from the point of view that the the law in the UK and Ireland is is virtually identical. You know, the procedures are different. So um, both of them are qualified in the UK. And Scotland is also the thing. Funny enough, you know, Mary and I have a, a, a big case on in Scotland. So we're, we're able, and now, you know, with, you know, the pandemic and everything, um, we're, you're able to work with people almost no matter where they are. Um, you know, out of London, we're, we've got assistants that are helping out in Bristol. And, you know, we, we so I, I think there's three of the partners in London office that are qualified. I've been qualified in Ireland for 10 years. So... Um, we, we are looking to grow it, but I think the, the one thing that we do have, uh, well, I suppose the two things, we're, we're very much professional indemnity focused. Um, 
And, you know, whereas in Ireland, I think a lot of the people or most most solicitors do bits and pieces of professional indemnity because there's there's not that amount of work. So um, we're able to add a bit of extra expertise on those things. Um, and it's also the, the contract review service, which I think is a fa- fantastic service. Um, Could you tell me a little bit, a little bit more about that? Because I suppose I'm not familiar with it, but it, it sounds to be a very practical risk mitigation um, technique. I suppose that I'd imagine would be invaluable to a lot of companies. Yes, um, we what we do is we go through the if if whether it be an appointment or a warranty um, or a, a contract, and focus on the things that will take it outside cover. We talked about performance warranties, contractual liabilities, which makes it a strict obligation. And we, um, so we basically tell the professional what the problem is um, and, and, and what they need to do about it. And we even give them the, a standard clause that they can insert into that um, to make sure that, you know, they don't um, end up with a problem. Also the, you know, look at, warranties to make sure that they're not outside um you know just things in general a lot of policies as an example won't cover subconsultants so if you if you're a, a professional uh, and the uh, you're using a subconsultant to do something that's going to be excluded or not covered so it, it's making sure that they have they're, you know, they pay for professional indemnity insurance, uh, and we want to make sure that that if a claim comes along, it falls within that, or if it doesn't, then they know about it and they know why, and they've decided to take that risk. So that's that's the fundamental. And and you know, we're we're actually we're we're speaking to the a couple people about doing it, um, and and usually um, a broker or insurers will provide that service free of charge. So. To, to their to their clients because they don't they don't want it to be outside either. Yeah, and is that for larger clients generally, or would you also look at some of the smaller? Absolutely, as well? all all sizes right. of clients. Uh, in fact, the smaller ones are often the ones that need the service more mm-hmm. because you know uh, it, the bigger clients may may even have in house legal or at least someone with some expertise on contracts. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, the smaller ones, uh, the small to medium ones, are the ones that probably actually need it the most. Yeah, no, and um, maybe for for some people, if they're particularly a very small, maybe one or, or two person entity, yeah. you know, uh, I, like a lot of insurance, sometimes it can be seen as a grudge buy. <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, they might just, you know, not really understand what cover they're getting but they need to have it so so yeah they just they just get it and exactly. and like a lot like most of us for mm-hmm. our, like our household policies mm-hmm. you get your household policy and and you put it in the drawer you never look at it so i i think as 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 long as um you've got a you know you, once you've got a policy and if if it's renewed and if it's not changed then as long as you understand the the fundamentals then then i think you know you're you're going to be okay um but the, the the other service that we do offer as part of this package, which, uh, you know, we talked about the difficulty, do I notify or not notify? And, and other issues around that, we, we offer a free helpline uh, for up to an hour for some, for insureds to, to phone up and just say, well, I, it, to do with professional liabilities, okay, well, I've got this problem, what do I do? Um, and almost always you can 
give them a guidance. It might be, well, you need to notify your broker or uh, it might be actually you can do something else. And is, would a lot of firms offer that service? I, I haven't heard, particularly the helpline, uh, um, you know, that sounds, you know, it, it's, it sounds like such a practical thing to do and being close to the client and making sure that, you know, the client is happy and the insurance company, you know, it sounds like such a win-win situation. It, it is very much, uh, very much so. I, I'm surprised that, as far as I'm aware, no one else in, in Ireland does offer that. Um, there's a, there's a few others, but not many that offer it in the UK. And, you know, we, I, I would say we're probably the leader in it at the moment. We've just put it together in a, a, and, and have a team doing it that does an excellent result. Do you identify a lot of issues actually just out of interest when, when you do those reviews? It is, I'd say it's rare that we don't identify right. at least a few issues. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even, you know, silly things, but, mm. but you know, I, I don't think I've had, I've seen one recently where we didn't identify at least one issue that was potentially a problem. Uh, a lot of times they won't end up being a problem. In fact, on most contracts, you're not going to end up with a claim. So mm-hmm. so if you don't end up with a claim, you're not yeah. going to end up with a problem with your insurance. But when you do end up with that problem, um, which hopefully is fairly rare, uh, and it might be on one out of 20 contracts or one out of 30 or one out of 40, um, that you you want to make sure you're covered, and that's that's the only way to do it. Yeah, and it sounds like a, a fantastic approach, and a, a, it should have a huge benefit for for policyholders and and insurers. I suppose if we talk about professional indemnity, and that will be the focus of the podcast today, can you explain the concept of it, and I suppose its importance for particular professions. Um, absolutely. Uh, funny enough, when I started, uh, I said it was 89, I think I was actually, it was late 89. Um, someone told me that in the UK, professional indemnity had only really started uh, in the 80s, which sounds a bit strange. So there was no insurance for that before. Uh, basically, it covers a professional for a, prof- a failure to exercise reasonable skill and care. There's well-settled law that as a professional, um, you're only liable in performing your professional services if you failed in, in that regard. So professional indemnity, that that is the fundamental basis of it. It matches that with with the court's obligation that, that's long-founded common law. Very good. And what types of professions require the cover? Well, I think personally, it's sensible for any profession. Um, you know, there's some unusual ones, but the, the traditional ones are your architects, engineers, solicitors, accountants, financial advisors, uh, surveyors, basically, you know, contractors that design anything. So any anything that is a profession um, where I think where you're basically exercising your judgment, um, it, it can be considered a profession and you can get cover for it. And how does the cover protect you against potential liabilities and claims? Well, I think there's two major protections. The first is um, against a breach of professional duty of care. Uh, Policies, if, if, you, if you read policies, I, I hear all the time someone will say, well, this is providing greater cover because it's civil liability or legal liability. Or uh, t- to me, if you look at 
the, the detail, they almost always provide exactly the same cover because if it, even if it says civil liability, you go to the definition section and civil liability will be defined as a breach of professional duty of care. And, and, and that's, that is the standard uh, that it provides. And, and it does, you know, and, and that's probably as much cover as you need for, for a breach uh, as, as long as you get your contracts right. Um, it also, and very importantly, in, in these days, it provides um, almost always cover for defense costs, which, is, you know, often if you've got a small problem, the defense costs will, will be more than the claim itself. So it is, um, uh, that is of massive benefit. Those are the two really professional indemnity covers that you get. We've definitely, from speaking to other guests on the podcast, legal costs are, a, 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 I suppose, a a problem, I'd say, you know, just the extent of them is um, it's quite debilitating, you know, for uh, for professionals to get this cover because the you know the price of it can be quite high. But it, a lot of it is down to those legal costs. It, it it is down to those legal costs, but you know, the the difficulty with keeping costs down in a profession, and therefore one of the reasons you need the cover is. If you go into other, any other almost area of law, there's, a, there's almost a right and wrong. Whereas in professional indemnity, it, you look at the facts and, okay, in these facts, has the, has the professional exercise reasonable skill and care? And if you slightly change those facts, you can get different answers. So uh, it, it, is, it is actually uh, a complicated area of law because you... You have to put together all the important facts, and there's a there's you know there's an art to actually deciding what facts are important, um, and then applying the law to that. So, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone has yet managed to find out a way to to um, cut the cost out. One of the things that is very much on, on the cards, and we do, I, I do on every case to to try to mitigate those is we get we do mediations. So it originally started in the States. Um, and, and being a Yank, um, uh, you know, I've attached onto it as probably earlier than most in the UK. And it's you, you, mediation. You, you basically, it's a bit like I call it Middle East shuttle diplomacy, like they used to, you know, uh, Kitzinger used to do, um, where you have a mediator and he'll go between rooms is, is the fundamental. And he'll try to to, to pick holes in your case initially, and then he'll try to get people to do a deal. And, and we always try to mediate very early on in, in every set of proceedings long, you know, before proceedings are started so that hopefully, you know, we can resolve it at that. If, if not, then, you, you know, at least we know where we stand before proceedings start. And is, is that something that other jurisdictions do as well? Or have, have you seen that, for example, in Ireland? It is, it is only starting right. in, in Ireland, I think. But I think we certainly, you know, on our cases are recommending it here because the, the tradition, in, in, when I started in the market, and I think it's still to, in, in the UK, um, everyone would battle, battle, battle. And then you'd get to the courthouse door. <laughs> Uh, and then the barristers would sit there and have a chat, and then next thing you know, there's a negotiation, and a lot of cases would settle then. But the problem is most of the costs were then incurred by then, whereas um, now the idea is is to have that 
that that discussion and be- before proceedings start. And I think now something like 80% in the UK, 80% of claims actually are settled at a mediation. So it, it is, it's the only way that I'm aware of that you can, you can save costs. Uh, otherwise, proceedings are just crazily expensive, particularly for small, for, for small matters. And if we maybe go, go to the underwriting stage of this, and I suppose one of the challenges I imagine with professional indemnity insurance is just trying to understand what exactly they do, what their role is and where that, that role starts and ends. Yes. Because I can imagine the, mud, the waters can get quite muddied and a lot of people are brought, are brought in um, to particular cases. So when we spoke before, you talked me through some of these services that Kate, you know that you guys can provide yes. to try and, I suppose, help um, help the customer um, get, the, yes. get the right cover that, that they need. So can you talk me through that a little bit? Well, uh, on that side of things, before hopefully before you get to a claim, yeah. um, we provide a contract review service which um, basically looks at the professionals um, and uh, it is more uh, focused towards the construction professionals, architects, engineers, contractors, to ensure that... Um, they that their policy will cover a claim that does come in so that they're not agreeing something uh, a liability wider than their policy or outside the terms of their policy so um otherwise <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is you pay this money for your professional indemnity insurance and then along comes a claim and it's not covered so i think that is an invaluable service uh, sometimes the client won't move and you have to say uh, to them, well, it, it's in a commercial decision. Do you take this and do you take the risk that there's a, a claim come along that's not going to be covered? Um, but at least they, they've, they've taken a, a, a conscious decision if that does happen. But uh, I think that is an invaluable service. And just in, in terms of the cover that is provided, can you just talk me through the cover that is provided and then some of the standard exclusions or limits maybe that you that you would see? Yeah. Well, uh, as I said before, I think the, the cover in most, if not all, professional indemnity policies, uh, the basic cover is breach of professional duty or negligence, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. That That is your cover. And that's what a professional is liable for um, unless they agree contractually something else. So it basically covers your exposures subject to you not getting caught out by agreeing something else in your agreement. Um, the There are certain things you have to watch out for in contracts. Um, one of the things is that there, there's always an exclusion in policies or virtually all, unless someone's made a mistake, um, for performance warranties or contractual liabilities it's basically where they say to you you will be liable for this so an example would be um, let's say an architect that you will provide your drawings by these dates that's a strict liability you might have a very good reason not to so that you've exercised your reasonable skill and care and diligence but you failed to do that well sorry you're still going to be liable um and um, but your your insurance won't cover you, so you know they th- those are something you you must look out for. Um, the other thing is um, again you see it in other professions, but particularly construction collateral warranties, and insurers will almost always have an exclusion for a collateral warranty 
if the liability is greater than the liability under the appointment or effectively if it's more than reasonable skill and care. But the, I think the pitfall there particularly is um, they can agree a longer period in the um, warranty. So as an example, if they agreed a 10-year period but their appointment was only six years, if a claim comes along in seven, eight years, it's not going to be covered. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it is important that you do know what your policy covers so that you can stick within it. And John, you mentioned that you have written a policy or two in your time. So um, I was just wondering, have how have policies evolved? Or, you know, we, we hear sometimes that some policies in the market, you know, they, they're the cover, you know, or they might not have been, you know, looked at in years and it's the same kind of policy doing the rounds. Um, I suppose, what are your thoughts on that and and have policies evolved in the right way for professional indemnity? Well, I, I, there's a, a, a lot of them that are still lacking, but they've, they've come a long way uh, when I first started in the market. T- to be honest, a, a policy, uh, they, they were a bit of a mess you know, you, you you would you'd have a bit of cover in one one place, and you'd have exclusions in other places. At, at least um, m- most policies, and you know, I think we were the one one of the leaders in doing that. Have a, a structure to them now, so that if you're looking at your policy, you can you can easily find something. So the the, the cover will be in the first bit usually, and then you'll have your exclusions uh, and and any conditions. And definition, so they're in a much more structured way. But the problem with policies, like anything, people, you know, the underwriters, the insurers, they're they've they've got their day job, as it were, and you know they have to work quite hard to keep up there. Um, so sitting down with someone and updating their policies um, is it, it? It just takes time, and you know it's it's very difficult to make that time to do it. So, you know, for that reason, I think a lot of insurers don't update their policies as much as they can. Um, I think I think a lot. Just what they end up doing is whacking in a load of exclusions <laughs> that are endorsements. So, you know, particularly during you know the hard market recently, that that happened. So, um, rather than, t- but it, it's just a time-consuming exercise if you want to review it and do it properly. And it's very difficult to make the time. And you mentioned there the hard market, I suppose, and like every other line of business, it's quite cyclical. So can you maybe tell me a little bit about that, where we are in the cycle and do you, do you expect things to change anytime soon? Well, I think uh, I, I know a lot of people on the market, but I also I have we, we purchase our own insurance as well. And I, I think um, probably in the cycle um, at the moment, the... I think the rates are are pretty steady. I, I think there is a slight improvement in some of the terms that that insureds can get. Um, so you're you're able to get a bit broader cover if you negotiate or if you you're, you've got a good broker who negotiates. But the the rates I don't think yet are going down. So it's pretty steady. I I mean I personally in 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 the past this there was a soft market for a long time. And I, I felt extremely sorry for the underwriters because it was so difficult to make any money because people were always plowing in and undercutting you. Uh, and um, so, I th- you know, I, th- I think now, you know, and looking at our own, you know, it, it it has gone up even though we have never had a paid claim. But um, it, it, whilst it's gone up, it's... Um, 
you know, I, I don't think it's unfair and I don't mind paying a reasonable price for, for, for proper cover. And so I suppose recession is, is something that would impact a number of these professions. And I suppose recession is a, is a risk at the moment and um, hopefully it won't happen. But um, there are some signs, I, I suppose, and indicators that it, it may. Um, what impact you know, will that have on the profession? And I suppose, will that impact the, the coverages people will want? Um, in, in my experience, if you do get a recession, you end up getting more claims uh, out of the recession. You know, and, and an easy example is a con- say a, a const- your normal construction project, whether it be s- someone building a house and selling it, or a big development, or or whatever. If if the developer comes along and he he does that on, on any construction project, there's going to be problems. It's just none of them just ever are perfect. Um, if if the job finishes and developers made a little bit of profit on it, what he thought he was going to make, the contractors made a bit of money. You know, everyone is happy, and 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 they just move on. But if um, a, a recession hits and all of a sudden, you know, the the the, the price that the developer is going to get from that um, goes down and he loses money, then he's going to be you know look at the problems that have risen, which will have risen, and 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 he's going to try to recover some money um, so that he can try to push himself back into. So, recession generally causes, um, and with you know property prices going down, surveyors get sued, um, you know. It's just uh, lawyers do so, so solicitors. So, uh, it, and in fact, you know, lawyers are the, are the are the ones that get instructed more. They they tend to be a you know we tend to have a bit of a boom when when it's recession time because everyone's suing everyone. Yeah. <laughs> There's always opportunities, aren't there? Yeah, yes. <laughs> with with these things, could you maybe talk us through naming no names, but maybe an example of a of a claim. Um, just to kind of give the the listeners an idea of of how the process works, I suppose. I had one uh, recently. Uh, it's a, a fairly simple claim that you know what happens. So a solicitor, so a normal solicitor, they're they're uh, acting for uh, the person selling a house. Um, the house is uh, has a nice little plot behind it as well, and they're selling those separately. Mistakes happen. The solicitor made a mistake and sold the house, but they accidentally included the plot (laughs) in the sale, uh, which everyone knew it wasn't supposed to happen. And so needless to say, the the, the person who bought it thought they got a great deal uh, (laughs) and they refused to give it back. And it it ended up in court. And, you know, you're going, eventually they they had to accept that it was just a mistake and they ended up having to to return the the plot to um, the seller but it's things like that you know that that do happen you know everything we, we deal with everything from uh, on the construction side as well from a, a, a leaky roof uh, and if a leaky roof happens in you know, it's surprising how complicated that can be. Uh, why is it leaking? And then, you know, is it the contractor's fault? Is it the architect's fault? Um, or maybe even an engineer who hasn't has, has done something wrong. So, uh, and and sometimes those are actually fairly small problems, but you get three three or four parties, and all of a sudden they're ridiculously expensive to to try to resolve. So, we've dealt with everything from that to. Um, Wembley when they had all the problems with Wembley and you know you're then looking at you know uh, 
millions and millions of pounds for to tr- to try to sort out the big problem. So there's all sorts of issues like that. Basically, in, in anything that a professional does, any service he provides, if it doesn't work, there's there's a risk that there will be a claim. And I suppose one of the most, if if not all. Uh, policies would be on a claims-made basis. Could you just maybe explain the importance of that and what it is, I suppose? Yes. Um, There's actually um, a bit of a misnomer. Uh, It's not... They they say they're claims-made. Most most professional indemnity policies aren't claims-made. They're they're claims-made other than a solicitor's wording where it is actually claims-made. But most professional indemnity policies are claims made and notified. So if a claim is made during the policy period, and if you notify it, then it will be covered during that policy. If you fail to notify it, then um, almost always your new policy will have an exclusion in it. Um, and the old policy, so that that's where people fall down. Um, so it also is policies, and I think it is fundamentally important for a professional to know what they have to notify. So a claim is easy. If you get a letter and someone's complaining and saying, you know, a claim is usually defined as a, a, a demand for compensation, a demand for something. So you can you can always tell if you're getting a claim. What is more difficult is if it's a circumstance and professional indemnity policies also require you to notify circumstances. Some professional indemnity policies require you to notify circumstances that may give rise to a claim, which is quite a low standard. Others require you to notify uh, circumstances that are likely to give rise to a claim, so which is, more, uh, the court said, more than 50% um, probability. So it, that is where a, a, a lot of professionals do get in trouble um, particularly a circumstance, they'll, they'll think, do I notify that or do I not? And then if they don't, then uh, and, and their policy renews, then they've got a problem. So my, my advice always is, is, if in doubt, notify your broker um, and hopefully, and, and then they can notify it on. And if it's if it's not a circumstance, then you, 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 it's not going to be held against you. So um, if in doubt, notify. Otherwise, you, you, you potentially don't have coverage. And those grey areas in the policy wording that can be cause so many problems, you know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think again, if you if you are in a grey area, then then I would say either you know if you're insured direct, which most professionals aren't, but if go to your insurer or if you're a broker, then then contact the broker and and ask them what to do because that that's that's their job. So a lot of these professions are governed by professional body, uh, for example. So is it a legal requirement to to have this cover? Um, for a lot of professionals, it is a requirement. Uh, it, you know, the I think you know architects, engineers, solicitors, financial advisors, accountants. You know, all of your I, I would say traditional professions um, that that have that are governed. By by professional bodies, as far as I'm aware, all of them require you to have a professional indemnity insurance, and it's usually of a certain level as well, not just well, you know. And you know, so it it might be a million, it might be 
you know, 200,000. So it, it, it does vary by profession, but they will all require you to have that. And it's also just sensible to do because, I mean, particularly if you're a small practice and you might only, you might not even be a limited company, then you're exposed to personal liability as well. So um, it, it, it is very, very sensible to get yourself professional indemnity insurance. It's crazy not to. And just in terms of just maybe going back to the underwriting of the risk. So I would imagine it must be quite difficult to assess some of these proposals when they when they cross yeah. an underwriter's table. But what are the key the, the the key, I suppose, factors that would influence influence the the premium charged. Okay. Well, I'm I'm um, I'm happy to answer that. I know. With the first, <laughs> I the know. first You're not caveat. An yeah, I'm not an underwriter. <laughs> uh, if I was as a solicitor, I'd probably never write anything. But uh, no, I, I think the 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 factors um, certainly, as far as I'm aware, the, the the biggest factor is going to be whether they whether the practice has had a claim before. Uh, that they've actually paid out on. Um, and then this, obviously the size of that claim, if there has been one, that is going to be a, a major factor. Um, the The premium income, or, or sorry, the, the income of the practice is also very much a factor. If you're, you know, if, if your income is 50,000 pounds, the premium will be a lot less than if your income is a million pounds. Um, because one, the risk is probably proportionate because you're doing more services the more you earn. So, um, I, th- I think those those will be key factors. Also, in the particular profession as well, um, because some professions are um, just riskier than than other professions. You know, so that I think is the, are, are probably the key factors for an underwriter uh, w- without being one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It's, uh, I, I probably put you on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> but you, you have a great answer. <laughs> um, just in terms of some of the trends that you're seeing, because being so close to it, it's, you know, you're, you're in a great position to kind of see maybe what's, um, what, you know, what, what those trends are, what you think might be coming down the line. Are, are there any big trends you're, you're seeing of, you know, coming out of the, the more recent claims you've handled? Or? Well, I, th- I think we are starting to see more notifications, um, as you mentioned before, coming out of the recession. So um, there's um, a, a few solicitors type claims that are very specific to them um, in, in the UK, buyer funded things um, that are coming out. But uh, and we're starting to see some claims coming out of, as I said, the recession. So, you know, I, I think as a, you know, a surveyor or, or an architect, you, you need to be particularly vigilant now um, and make sure you are vigilant and cautious um, to, to avoid those problems that, you know, traditionally um, happens when you have a recession. Mm. Hopefully, we've learned from those in the in, in the past. Sometimes we forget too too easily, though, don't we? <laughs> well, you do, and you think you know never never again. It was, I think it was one of the <laughs> one of the you know prime ministers says you know recessions is the the thing of the past. Well, it's it's as as we've seen, it's not. It definitely is not. Um, is there a lot of competition in the market for for professional indemnity insurance or what, for the actual insurers? Yeah. Um, there is more coming into the market. I mean, I think um, 
and that was probably the reason that the soft market lasted so long because so much capital kept coming into the market and and professional indemnity is it's unusual in the saying we, we talked about a claim made so um you can you can get a circumstance or a claim notified to insurers and then um, particularly in construction nothing will happen on that for three four five six seven years while the project is going on and then all of a sudden you know um, what you thought was an uh, innocuous notification blows up into a you know multi-million pound claim so it, it if if you want to hide hide your losses, uh, it's easy to do that. So you know we had people in the in in the London market. They would they would set up a uh, you know they they would set up they would end up out of business in in five six years after the tail caught up, and then they'd set up somewhere else and you know un- undercutting people. Um, and I I think that stopped. And you know if 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 you know if you don't have um, you know, people thinking they can make money when actually they can't, then I think um, the the market, it it might be a little bit hard, but it needs, I always say everyone has to make money. And if insurers aren't aren't making money, then it's not going to work. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely one of the big challenges. It's that long tail. Yes. And the uncertainty, you know, but um, there definitely seems to be a lot of capacity in the Irish market. Um, at, at the moment, it, w- it would seem um, from, from talking to some people. But um, yeah, no, it's it, it's definitely one to watch. And that recession piece is really important, I think, because I, I, I think uh, it's it's a line of business that could be very, you know, is very exposed. Yes, yes. Um, so it's 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 definitely a, a one to watch for insurers, I'd imagine. So I think we're out of time, John. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I wish you and the, the team in Dublin well and continued success. And I will speak to you soon. 